go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan. And I'm Leslie Doan. And you're listening to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. Each week in this broadcast, we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the church today. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 14 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. Now you can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate, we can provide pathways for you to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. We want to welcome those listeners who are joining us for the first time and catch you up a little bit. We're in the midst of a series that is near and dear to our hearts, a series on what it means to rebuild and renew the Catholic family as the domestic church. Yes, throughout this series, we're looking at the sacred scripture, excerpts from our catechism, the lives of the saints, and the teaching of the church as we seek to challenge individuals, families, and local parishes to rebuild and renew the Catholic faith here in America. We are discovering that restoring the Catholic family as the domestic church is critical to both rebuilding the Catholic faith as well as placing our families in the Lord's presence for blessing, protection, nurture, and stability. Well, Peter, I couldn't agree with you more. The family indeed needs to be strengthened. It needs to be built up and protected at this time in history when our culture is definitely doing all it can to erode the institution of the family. And we've covered a lot of ground so far, and we're discovering what it actually means for the family to be the domestic church. Isn't that right? Yes, we have. And this is our 10th broadcast dedicated to this topic. And if you're just joining us and you'd like to go back and catch up and listen to the other broadcasts in this series, please feel free to go to catholicradioindy.org and access all our previous podcasts. You're going to learn about the family from the Old and New Testament, the early church fathers and what they had to say about the family, and the family as the domestic church starting with Vatican II, and then further articulated the vision for the family by St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI. So that's a lot of ground we covered. Yes, Leslie. And we also have shared some troubling data related to the family and discussed what was called a quiet attrition taking place in the church by Pope Benedict, who identified and attributed this to obstacles to the Christian faith and practice raised by a secularized culture. But listeners, we didn't leave you there. We also offered solutions, and we've presented some proven strategies that can practically begin to rebuild the Catholic family as the domestic church. Uh, we highlighted the work of Joe Paprocki. He's the National Consultant for Faith Formation at Loyola Press, and you can access his strategies for empowering families to be the domestic church at the website www.catechistjourney.loyolapress.com.
Then last week, we jumped into the topic of marriage, sacrament of holy matrimony. And Peter, you introduced us to a concept, God's triangle for couples. Yes, Leslie, we shared an illustration that I've used when I conducted marriage prep in the local parish and what we call God's triangle for husbands and wives. And what I did when the couple would come for instruction the very first time, I'd draw a triangle and on the bottom two angles, I'd put the name of the young man and the young woman. And then at top of the triangle, I'd put the name of the Lord himself. And I share that when married couples make their personal relationship with Jesus Christ the first priority, this brings them up the triangle. And wow, automatically the couple grows closer to one another. And to make this practical last week, we took some practical great advice from Archbishop Charles Chaput, who is one of our favorite uh, bishops when we returned to the church. We really uh, connected with him on how to grow in a personal relationship with the Lord as a married couple. Right, because as you grow closer to the Lord, you grow closer to each other. Yes. Like in the triangle. Yes. Well, Peter, I think it would be wonderful if we could just quickly review those seven steps the Archbishop taught that's going to help married couples grow closer to the Lord and to each other and move up that triangle. So yes, let's start with the first one, Leslie. The Archbishop said we need to start by listening to the Lord. As with a spouse, he said, the most important thing we can do is to be present and to listen. And this requires the investment of time and focus. Wow, you, you can't substitute the importance of listening. It's where we start with God and each other. Right. Secondly, he said, we also need to cultivate silence. We can't listen when our world is filled with noise and toys, he said. I like this quote. C.S. Lewis often said that noise is the music of hell. The main questions of life, like why are we here, what does my life mean, is there a God, and what does he ask of me, all we find in that place of silence. Right, and in marriage, there's going to be many times where you need that place of silence. You need to cultivate silence and listen to the Lord and his direction. Third, he said, seek humility in the Lord. When we finally really believe in our own sinfulness and unimportance, many other things can become possible. These important things like repentance, mercy, patience, and forgiveness of others. Right. We need to be humble because in every conflict, it takes two. And let's be real. It takes genuine humility to have a successful marriage. There's going to be a lot of times when you need to repent and ask for mercy, this patience, a, and forgiveness. Right. A fourth thing that the archbishop emphasized was to cultivate honesty. He said this is the most painful but most important thing is telling the truth to ourselves about our own motives and actions. To tell the truth about ourselves and our own motives and actions is really hard because we naturally have blinders on, at least I know I do when it comes to myself, and we need to be able to pray, search me, Lord, and try me and see if there be any way of pain in me. Right. The fifth step, he said, was the call to holiness, seek to be holy. Holiness means other than. In other words, is what scripture means when it tells us to be in the world, but not of it. It doesn't miraculously happen. We need to choose and seek holiness, the archbishop said. That's because God's ways are not our ways. Holiness is the habit of seeking to conform in our marriages and in our lives, all of our thoughts and actions to God's ways. And that's really hard. 
The sixth point, Leslie, and this is so important, and that is pray and prayer. And this is so important for couples. Again, going back to marriage preparation that I did, I would, first of all, uh, after the triangle, I'd talk to the couple about praying together. And interestingly enough, the majority of Catholic couples that were engaged didn't know how to pray together. Or they they just had never even tried it. Yeah, they never tried it, and they never thought about it. And so we would start by just learning how to pray over meals together, etc. But this is such an important piece of growing up that triangle and growing together. And the seventh is to read the Scripture. Yes, so the, scri- the Scripture, of course, we know is the living Word of God. And cultivating the Scripture, I like this phrase that Marcus Grodi on EWTN says, to grow deep in Scripture. I love that. Yeah, so growing deep in Scripture, as well as Catholic reading, really helps us grow closer to the Lord and grow closer to our partner. Okay, well, it's time to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to explore the role of the Catholic Christian father. So we're moving on to fatherhood, and it's so critical to the future health and stability of our families. So listeners, please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood, in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today, we're exploring the call to rebuild and renew the Catholic family as the domestic church. In our last segment, we discussed the vital place that developing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ plays in a Christian marriage. And this is where we must start. We now turn to the role the Father plays in a domestic church. Peter, let's begin to unpack that for our listeners. Let's say I think it's great to start what I consider a linchpin scripture verse that sets the tone for biblical fatherhood, and it's found in the Old Testament in the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says this, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse. Now, we use that phrase going deep in Scripture. Let's dig deep into this sacred Scripture. First of all, it shows that God's agenda connects the great and terrible day of the Lord in this verse. It's great for the people of God, but it's terrible for the enemies of God. He then ties his end-time purpose to fatherhood, family, and family priorities. Please note here, the initiative for Christian family health and stability starts with the father of the family. He is the one called by God to take the initiative. And finally, Leslie, we discovered some great insights into fatherhood when you were doing the Bible in a year with Father Mike that amplified the scripture in Malachi. Yes, this was really 
insightful to me because I had never thought about this, but Father Mike in the Bible in a Year podcast, he really talked about um, what happened in King David's life as it relates to fatherhood. Right. He shared how David had repented of his sins with Bathsheba and, of course, killing her husband Uriah, and he had been anointed king. And however, his life going forward, he had to live with the consequences of those terrible sins. Right. Now, in 2 Samuel 13, according to Father Mike, as he read along, his son Amnon lusted after his half-sister Tamar, and unfortunately, a very serious situation happened, a rape occurred. When David learned that Amnon raped Tamar, he's angry, but he does nothing. He does not defend his daughter or confront his son. According to Father Mike, he does not act like a father. And this failure will mark David's life with his family. He does not live up to his high calling of fatherhood, along with being the king. As a result, his son Absalom takes matters into his own hands, avenges Tamar by killing his half-brother Amnon. It's a horrible story. Mm-hmm. This be- begins Absalom's rebellion against his father, King David. Yeah, Leslie. And so what Father Mike pointed out here is a great insight, I think. What David did not do as a father of his family brought a curse upon the whole family that the book of Malachi was referring to of failed fatherhood. Right. He didn't deal with the sin in his own family. And I think this brings us to a key understanding of biblical fatherhood. And I, th- I look at it, there's two sides to the fatherhood coin. The one side of the coin is this, unconditional love. On the other side of the coin is what I call words of authority. Unconditional love is the love a father has for his children, no matter what, isn't it? But words of authority, this is a father never backing down from lovingly challenging his children, calling them on important issues and reminding them that God has made us for greatness and the children must not settle for mediocrity. So one way to say it would be a father must be brutally honest with his children without being brutal to them. So talk to us about David. What happened with David? Well, so going back to David, David demonstrates the side of the coin and what happens when a father fails to use words of authority. The parable of the prodigal son shows the positive effects of a father exercising that unconditional love, doesn't it? Yes. There are many ways that this parable teaches us about godly fatherhood. The parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin preceded the parable of the prodigal son. And these parables give us an overarching principle in God's kingdom. Do not give up on those things or people which are feared lost. And regaining something which was thought to be lost for good is always a reason to rejoice. Yes, Leslie. And of course, this tells a story here about children straying from the faith. And we know that that's a real concern for all of us as Catholic parents. Yes, many of us have experienced that when our children choose not to walk with the Lord or choose not to follow the Lord. Yes, and with some of our children, there have been seasons when we didn't feel like they were with the Lord the way that we wanted them to be. And of course, the great St. Augustine certainly models what happens when you have a mother that stays on course, walks in unconditional love, and prays her son into the kingdom, our great St. Augustine. Uh, Catholic experts, as a matter of fact, are expressing concern over a recent 
Pew Research poll found only that 35% of United States Catholic parents say that it's extremely or very important to them that their children grow up to hold similar religious beliefs. And I'm reminded as I read, as I read that statistic, Leslie, of the scripture Proverbs 22.6 that reminds us if we train up a child in the way that he should go, even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Well, those are all wonderful thoughts for us to meditate upon, Peter, but we need to take another short break. And when we return, we will discuss some practical ways a Catholic father can win the hearts of his children and impart the faith to that next generation. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Spring has sprung, and that means only one thing. The 12th Annual Catholic Radio Indy Golf Outing is on the books. The date is Tuesday, May 23rd, and we're heading on up to Hillcrest Country Club off of Fall Creek Boulevard in Northeast Indy this year. Single-player fee is $150, foursomes are $500, and a foursome with clergy is $400. This includes greens fees, cart, lunch, dinner, beverages, snacks, and all whole games. We will also have a putting contest before lunch, and Charity Golf International's Mick Yelovich will once again be on site to promote that fine organization and maybe help you win a $5,000 golf extravaganza. Our guest speaker this year is Ted Karras Jr., head football coach at Marion University and father to Ted Karras III, the starting center for the Cincinnati Bengals. Details are available at www.catholicradioindy.org golf outing. All registrations are online and the deadline to register is May 8th, so don't delay. You're listening to the radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today in our series on rebuilding and renewing the family as the domestic church, we're discussing how Christian fatherhood literally keeps our family safe and brings a blessing. Without godly fatherhood in the family, the children are subject to extreme pressures. And we know of single mothers who've had to deal with no father in the home and how important the outreach of fathers in the Christian community are, as well as the extended family, such as grandparents and uncles. This all becomes so essential, doesn't it? It Peter? really does, Lessa. We need to be sensitive to the single mothers in our congregations. Right, and in our family networks. Right. Well, I was reading a study that was conducted by the Institute for Research on Poverty. This was published in 2020 and then revised or updated in 2021. And they go into detail on the well-known positive effects of fatherhood on children. A lot of times, Peter, we focus on the negative effects of a lack of fatherhood and in children, and I know you saw a lot of this when you were teaching in the inner city, didn't you? Yes, I did. But let's talk about the positive effects. Involved, according to research, involved fathers are associated with children's higher academic achievement, greater school readiness, stronger math and verbal skills. I thought that was interesting about the math. Mm -hmm. Greater emotional security. Higher self-esteem, boy, do we need that right now with so many young people contemplating uh, uh, suicide. Mm -hmm. Fewer behavioral problems and greater social competence. Mm -hmm. So, Peter, you've given us two clear foundations for biblical fatherhood, unconditional love and words of authority. Out of that foundation, what are some of the ways we can pull that through and practically implement that and impart love and faith to our children through the, through the father? 
So, Leslie, thinking about this, I've thought about our own journey of four decades of children and now grandchildren that we're learning. And I've learned a lot by my mistakes as well. There's been several of those. But here are some practical ways to immediately strengthen one's fatherhood in the family. Right. And these are things that you did. Yeah. And number one, a father needs to roll up his sleeves and hit the ground running every day he returns home from work. So what I mean by that is to use an old expression, I can't go home and just be Joe Sixpack, you know, in other words, put my feet up and watch TV and watch TV (laughs) and, and expect my children to be in a great place and my wife to wait on me. I used to have this uh, uh, idea in my mind, Leslie, when I used to come home with waiting for four children to greet me at the door, is that I would focus on that doorknob and say, I need to gear up, and when I put my hand on that doorknob, my work is just beginning. Right. <laughs> so anyways, so that means hit the ground running when, one, when a father comes home. Number two, we need to put each child to bed each night with prayer, including laying our hands on them, blessing them, and making the sign of the cross on their forehead like we did when they were baptized. I know it's really hard at night sometimes to, you know, take that time to be with your children when you're putting them to bed. We're all tired and tempted to skip this, but it's an important habit to start right away the minute you bring them home from the hospital. Yes, I was at a recent uh, conference for men, and in the small group discussion, this really young father was asking, should I be praying for my daughter, who's five years old, when I put her to bed? And I really had an opportunity to to share some of my own experiences of what a great impact that makes on our children, and that praying for a five-year-old daughter is really very important for him. And I want to really encourage the mothers that are listening today to encourage and challenge your husbands to go upstairs and pray for those children as they're going to bed. Right. Don't just leave it to the mothers. Yes. Okay. Thirdly. Third thing. Okay. Third thing is structure what I call father, son, and daughter time on a regular basis. For example... When our children were growing up, I would take each child out for breakfast on a regular basis on a one-on-one experience. And it doesn't have to be breakfast. It could be just some kind of fun activity, right? Yeah, but but it's so important to be one-on-one with those children, whether we have one child or 10 children in the family, make that a real priority. Fourthly, tell faith stories to your children. Yes, even now when we gather our family together, we like to tell stories of how God has met us in our lives. And Peter, we just had the family over on Easter, and you told the story of how we returned to the Catholic Church on Easter Sunday Uh, 14 years ago. That's right. Uh Uh-huh. And you also talked about your sister and how your the Lord took your sister home to heaven on Easter Sunday. Yeah, each, interestingly enough, that was the same day that Mother Angelica went to be with the Lord, and my sister went to be with the Lord on that same day. And she was your closest sibling. Yes, she was, a strong Catholic Christian as well. Fifthly, we need to ground our children in sacred scripture. 
We constantly brought scripture to bear at our breakfast table, our dinner table, or during our regular Sunday evening family prayer time. Scripture is so essential, Leslie, to instill those Christian values and to form the conscience of our children. And I always started with these two foundational scriptures with our children. First of all, the fourth commandment that says, honor your father and your mother. And then I would always remind the children that this was the first commandment with a promise. Number one, that things will go well with you. And number two, that you'll live a long life. And I would tell the children, do you want things to go well with you? And do you want to live a long life? Then honor your father and your mother. Also, there's a great scripture in Colossians that says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Sixthly, receive the sacraments of penance and Eucharist together with your children. Now, we didn't have the opportunity to do that because we were not in the, in the church at the time. Yes. But this is something that you've added because you think it's really important. Right. And one of the things that's so beautiful to me is often when I go and receive the sacrament of penance, I'll see a father with his children lined up with him and there would be fo- he would lead them into the confessional him going first and then following after and then also receiving the eucharist together having a father model the importance and the reverence around receiving the eucharist and really tying those two sacraments together and they do really so important go together okay so what's your last tip peter so this is kind of like the Uh, culmination, Leslie, and that is a father needs to do spiritual warfare over his children and grandchildren on a regular basis. I've made a point over the years to dedicate Fridays to give uh, time to do prayer and spiritual warfare by name specifically over our children, their spouses, and my grandchildren as well, and to name them. That's because raising children today is a spiritual battle, isn't it? It certainly is. Ephesians 6.10 says this, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of your might, and put on the full armor of God so that you might be able to resist the devil in the evil day. And I heard somebody one time define the evil day, Leslie, is it's a day when it seems like Satan is winning. Of course, we know he's not going to, but when there's a barrage of evil, it's it really seems like he's winning. And that's why we need to do warfare. I specifically pray and do spiritual warfare for them on Fridays. Okay, Peter. Well, I think that's a good lead into some prayer because we need to pray over our families right now and especially the important role of the Father. Amen. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for all of us fathers within this living, listening audience. And we say, Lord Jesus, please fill us with your life, your courage, your graces, so that we can be the fathers and grandfathers that you've called us to be. Help us to carry that balance of unconditional love, but also speaking with authority to those in whom you've given us responsibility. Give us grace and courage, especially in this day in which we live. We pray this in Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you so much, Peter, for walking us through those seven tips. Um, I think we want to take them to heart. They're all really, really practical and will make a difference. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today as we seek to connect you as individuals, your families, and parishes to the rebuilding and renewal of the Catholic faith here in America. And if you'd like to hear our past programs, go to catholicradioindy.org, where you can access all our previous broadcasts from the podcast tab on the webpage. And make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye for now, and keep Keep the the faith. faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy, 